You're listening to Coldo D. Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. I'm going to ask uh, Papa Don Finto to come up and share. Uh, I'll probably share a little bit afterwards, for shortly afterwards too, but he's going to it's so always a delight when he is here. We want him to share. So uh, as long as he goes, he goes as long as the Lord wants him to. So it's, let's give him a warm welcome. So Papa Don. I should be washing his feet, by the way. So <laughs> thank you, sir. This, uh, the story of Joseph is really one of my favorite stories in the whole scripture because there's just so much in it. And, and I want to springboard off of it for something that I really feel like I need to share with you this morning. But uh, I, I love the, I just reread the whole thing from beginning to end, the last, you know, the, these parashot that are right in here that are telling about it. And, uh, and it's just, it's interesting to me the way uh, what Joseph did when the, when he recognized the brothers, the intrigue that he went to, uh, which I realize is, is really to bring them to real contrition of heart on what they had done. In other words, I, I mean, I, I see it as a, as a trick almost, even though it's dangerous, but as a kind of a trick that he does because he wants them to see the horror of what they had done. At the same time, he totally sees Romans 8.28 before he got here, that God works everything for good. And, and this is the beginning story of it. And, uh, but, the, but the thing that I want to key in on, and because I'm really carrying this with, with not just here with Koldodi, with, with a lot of situations that I know, I want, to, I want to key in on being sure that we have forgiven everybody that has sinned against us. Because we... Uh, in my own life, for example, I, I, I was with somebody the other day who was refusing to forgive somebody because they hadn't repented. I want to tell you that's godless. You don't wait for somebody to repent before you forgive them. From the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, of course, at one level they knew what they were doing, but at a much deeper level they really didn't know what they were doing. And anybody who's ever sinned against us at the deepest level, they don't know what they're doing. And so our, our role is to forgive. And, and what I want to do is, and I'm going to, if, if you don't mind, I want, I want to read the whole thing because I just think that it's very powerful. I go to, I go to several places when I go this. In fact, I, I can remember years ago when I was preaching at Belmont, I, I, I remember saying to the congregation there, you know, if you've got something that's happened against you and you're 3% wrong and they're 97% wrong, your role is to forgive the 3% without any accusation. Another imagine a husband saying to his wife, well, oh, honey, I'm so sorry I did that, but I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't. That's not repentance. You know, it's, 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 it's confessing your part without accusation. And then at the other person, is, it's, it's humongous, but you forgive it. And I would just tell you, in my life, there is no way that I would ever be who I am in the Lord today if I hadn't forgiven three early people in my life. My dad, who left before I knew him when I was two years old, and I needed a father. My, uh, the, mother, the, the woman he ran off with, and, and then the man who sexually molested me. 
because I was hungry for a father figure. And those were huge. But, and, and I had to, I had to, I tell people, I went into, I went through inner healing before there was ever a book on it. Because I knew that it, it hinged on forgiveness. And the, the, the parable the, that, that Jesus, uh, this, what I want to do is I want to just read this and, and then make the application. And that's, that's it. Because I, I just want, as you're thinking about this, fam, just let the Holy Spirit tell you if there's anybody I mean, I, I was thinking about this one day, and I thought, well, I've got political, you know, love your enemies, Jesus said. Well, I don't have any, I, at the time, I didn't. <laughs> I thought, well, I don't have any enemies, you know. And then I thought, I've even got political enemies. You know what I mean? I mean, I people that totally disagree with them think they're doing the wrong thing. That's, in a way, is enemies. And, and so, you know, just, just that kind of thing. And then, when I was learning this lesson, I thought, you know, I was forgiving everybody, and, and the, there are certain little vignettes in my life that, that uh, are comical, but the way the Lord deals with me. And I taught uh, at the downtown Presbyterian Church, I taught a Bible class every Monday for years, and there was one Monday that I was driving down, and I was just feeling so good. You know, I was just, I mean, sometimes I was really screaming out to the Lord, you know, help me. But that day, I was feeling really just in the anointing of the Lord and just feeling good. And so I was, there was a, there was a car that was trying to come out in traffic, you know, you know how that thing, and I was feeling so, come on, you know, I stopped, let this car in traffic, but we were on a four-way street and the person in that car pulled up in front of me and blocked me. They weren't turning right, they were turning left. They were waiting for no telling how long. I probably waited for 35 seconds. And I was, I just, I got irate. I thought, I would never have let you come out in traffic if I'd known you weren't going to turn right. That's, come on. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit arrested me. I realized what was happening. And I literally laughed out loud at the car to myself. said, you, you stay there as long as you want to. That's just fine. You know, but it, I'm telling you, you know, how somebody squeezes the toothpaste and stuff like that, you know, can, can irritate us. Come on, get over it. So here's the parable. Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not till seven, but till 70 times seven. And then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began... The settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, his children, and all that he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. Now, you've got to realize, this, man, this, this first man is you and me. We've been forgiven this massive debt. And if we ever had, you know, if, oh, God, I'll do better next time. No, you won't. You know, I'll pay you back. You can't ever pay back. And so this man ate, owed multiple bags of gold, and he would never in a lifetime been able to pay it back. But the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. 
He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay it back. And you know what? He probably could have. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were in outrage and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Uh, there's another translation that says tormented. And I really like, I identify more with the word tormented than tortured. But nonetheless, to, and until he should pay back every year. Of course, another way. In other words, he was turned over to the tormentors or torturers. And then that's already, that's already a good, good parable. But listen to this next line. This is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. My question is, well, first let me tell you, I know some people that are being tormented. I, I could name their names. I've watched them. There's one family that I know that one of the daughters was married and a happy marriage, godly marriage, her husband died. In a reasonable amount of time, she married somebody else, and before she had consulted with any other member of the family, they disowned her. They haven't spoken to her since. That's been years now. Those family members are tormented. I guarantee you they are. How do I know it? Because that's what the Bible says. I'm telling you, there are people in churches that are being tormented. Let me tell you, Kodo D, you can't be tormented. Don't let anybody in this room be tormented. How do you do that? You forgive everything that anybody's done. It doesn't matter how big it is, how little it is. If people have lied about you, they've cheated on you, they've cheated you out of your inheritance, I don't care what it is. You forgive them. Now, wait a minute. But you don't wait for your emotions. Your emotions will never get you there. I don't feel like for, I don't care whether you feel like it or not. Who told you you're supposed to walk how you feel? We don't walk by how we feel. We walk by faith. The way you forgive somebody, and you don't have to go to them and say, well, you did all this, but I forgive you. No, you don't even have to do that. All you have to do is say, Lord, I forgive X in the name of Jesus. And don't check your emotions to see if you felt like it. It's not, you're not walking in emotions. And then when the junk starts coming back in, you do it again. We, we, I told you enough about family stuff, and, and I walk in that kind of forgiveness. I, I had to, re, I mean, when I happened to be around, when my dad and when, and when his wife died, both of them, and I had, they had come back to the Lord, and I did both their funerals because they had come back to the Lord. Now, but even if they hadn't come back to the Lord, you know, the, the thing is, but... I was in a family meeting some years back, and my sisters started talking about the junk of the past and the emotions. I could feel that poison thing being poured into my, I had to, I had to either stop and say, hey guys, I, I, can't, I can't talk about this because all that junk starts coming back in me. Or I get up and leave the room, one or the other. But, if, but, but the thing I want you to say, see is, please, oh God, don't let anybody 
No, Ken, Francis, all of you. No, don't anybody in this room walk in unforgiveness. Just release people to the Lord and walk, walk forth in victory. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this word, Lord, and we pray. I, I know I pray it for ourselves, Lord, in this. I know there's a lot of Psalms, Lord. I, as I said during all this, a lot of Psalms I never had, felt I could never read before. Now I've had a chance, now, now I can read them, um, Lord. And uh, Psalms, like you said, like Papa Don said, Lord, where you feel like you have enemies, like I said, like, gosh, didn't have any. Yes. To so many before or, or didn't have them this way, and um, it's hard, Lord. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for the lesson through Joseph, Lord, and we thank you for, the, for these words of, of wisdom, of chachma, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, you would empower us in Yeshua's name. Amen. Uh, amen. And um, I'm going to just continue in Genesis 45, with a, a little longer, and um, with this same theme in Joseph. And, uh, you know, I, I looked out this, the window this morning when the, a lot of us were up throughout the night in the storm, storms. Uh, I always turn my phone off at night, um, and, but Francis leaves her, hers on, so the alarm went off, and, you know, as, as it did, I guess, sh- I guess I should leave it on for tornado warnings like, like we got. But uh, then this morning when, anyway, I looked out a window and uh, saw that the leaves that were before remaining on the trees, they're all gone now, I guess, right? With all the storms, they're gone. And I, and I felt like the Lord speak to me through that and just say, you know what? Those leaves are no more and they're meant to be no more. Uh, they really weren't meant to stay on very long on the, the tree. You know, they're, the trees, they're gone. Um, and, uh, but new, new buds are going to come, and there's going to be new leaves in the spring. And I just felt there was a lesson in that, even in the storms. You know, the storms are going to knock off leaves that aren't meant to be there, um, but new leaves are coming. And... We've been through some storms, and uh, thank God, new leaves are coming, and it's exciting. New leaves are already here and coming. And uh, Joseph, I want to focus on one thing here in Joseph, and and just what Papa Don just mentioned. It's it amazes me in his life that yeah, he never really asked them for a formal apology, did he? <laughs> he never said, uh, you know, I want you to apologize to me for what you did. Never even brought it up. And, and Yeshua never brought it up with Peter either, did he? Uh, imagine where Jesus got Peter together, you know, got him to said, Now, Peter, now why did you deny me three times? You know, uh, never, never brought it up. And that's such an amazing thing in itself because it was so far beyond that. He, just like we just heard, so far beyond that. There was nothing in Joseph's heart, nothing in Yeshua's heart, that was against, whether it was Peter or Joseph, against his brothers because he'd already forgiven them. Uh, God had brought him through that, the, the, the furnace, through into the, you know, and brought him through that already in his, so that he'd already forgiven them before they even had said anything. And, um, or, or, you know, but anyway, um, look at 
45, verse 1. Um, and Father, we just pray you continue to speak to us through your word in Yeshua's name. Yeshua, Lord, we pray. Amen. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things from this story. B'Shem Yeshua. Uh, it says, and Joseph could no longer restrain himself in front of those who were standing by him. He cried out, get everyone away from me. Get everyone away. No. So no one stood with him. When Joseph, look at this phrase, when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Joseph made himself known to his brothers. So after 22 years of separation, think about this, 22 years being apart, and Judah has concluded a, a very passionate speech um, for, his, to, you know, for his brother Benjamin. Joseph is so moved by Judah's willingness to sacrifice himself for his brother Benjamin, and he couldn't keep his mask on any longer. He couldn't keep his identity hidden any longer, and so he bursts forth with emotion. He says, everyone leave the room. Go out. Go out. And it says in verses 2 and 3, it says, He gave his, for, his voice to weeping so that the Egyptians could even hear out in the other rooms. It's echoing throughout the rooms. And Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's household heard. And Joseph says to his brothers, Ani Yosef. Let's say, Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef. I am Joseph. And he says, Is my father still alive? And let me just say, this is our vision. Let's just clarify. This is our vision, Koldodi, our vision, our prayer, our mission. I am Joseph. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, a verse all of us who are Jewish and come to faith in Yeshua love, and those who are Gentile love, who have a heart for Israel. We love this verse. It just rings out to us after we come to faith in Yeshua. Then I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. When they shall look, they will look toward me, upon me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him. This is the Jewish people. Our people will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn. It's going to happen, the revelation. And Papa Don, no one, no one, can, no one brings it clearer to our minds than he does and his books, by the way. Uh, seriously, I, I'm not saying that to, 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 you know, flatter. I'm saying it because it's a reality. When he speaks, that vision is so much a part of, his, of everything he is. This vision of the Jewish people coming to faith last days, coming to Yeshua. And that's what we're here for. That's our vision. Jew and Gentile, of course, but to the Jew first. The gospel to the Jew first, Romans 1.16. So that's where we stand. That's what we're all about. I hate it that some theology replaces the gospel, the good news of Yeshua, with something else. And it does. It does. I hate it. I've seen it come in, and like a, just like Galatians says, it's a spell. Who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell? And something replaces it. So no longer up front and, pre- and as precedent is the gospel of salvation. It's, not, it's no longer what drives us that we want to see people come to salvation, come to new life in Yeshua, but something else, just learning more, just knowledge, just more, oh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 1 Corinthians 8, 1. And just, just something, just, oh, just the, the, some sort of abstract, nebulous idea of the kingdom of God. But what does that mean? Rather than the, the Yeshua 
coming to salvation. That's why I love to hear Janice share her testimony, say, oh, it's all about Yeshua, I came to Yeshua, or any Jewish believer that's come to faith, right? Well, this is what's going to happen. Let me quote Romans 11, 25 and 26. For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until... The fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. For I am not ashamed of the good news of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who trusts, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, to the, to the non-Jew. Romans 1.16. So can we fathom what happened in the minds of these brothers of Joseph? Their lives, when Joseph says, Ani Yosef, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother. Their lives flashing before them. They all, uh, all that they had done to him 22 years ago. Oh my gosh, they're like, I'm petrified. I can't imagine it. Rabbi Tzvi Nightingale, one of my favorite rabbis of, of Ish uh, down in Florida. I quote him a lot because he's just, he's just, and I, I, I just says some great stuff. He says, quote, one could only imagine the collective dropping of 11 jaws. Eleven tongues that could not make a sound. Every piece of the puzzle in an instant came together and locked into place to form one stunning picture, a still-life photo that encapsulated over two decades of a painful family history. This is what happened. So, and verse 4, Joseph says here, 45.4, he says to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Now they come near. He says, Ani Yosef Achichem. Let's say it. Ani Yosef, Achichem. It's not too hard. Very good. Ani I am Joseph, your brother. I'm Joseph, your brother, the one you sold to Egypt, he says. Your brother. Oh, this is your, can you, can you see the, 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 the parallel of Yeshua saying it to the Jewish people? He's called your brother three, uh, let's see, three times, I think it is. Yeah, three times in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, Yeshua calls the Jewish people his brothers, whom he has been made like in every way. And so one day soon, Yeshua will be made, will make himself known to his brothers, the Jewish people. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord, right? Zeroah Adonai, the arm of the Lord. We always speak of the, it's the same word, Zeroah, at the Pesach and the Passover and the Seder. We, it's the, the, the shank bone of the lamb. It's Zeroah, the same word. Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I will, uh, in Isaiah 53, verse 1, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look eagerly for him. That's a great verse. Where is that? Isaiah 8, verse 17. I'm going to repeat it. I will wait for Adonai who's hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I'll look eagerly for him. He's coming. Listen to these verses from Hosea, the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6. Listen to these. I will go and return to my place. Who? Who is speaking here? I will go and return to my place. Well, who left his place and returned to it? Until they admit their guilt. Then they will seek my face. In their distress, they will seek me earnestly. Whoa. Hosea 5.15. Isn't that a powerful verse? I love it. Let next few verses. Chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has smitten, but he will bind us up. Oh, folks, whether it's Israel 
after the Holocaust, whether it's, whether it's you and, your, and, and I in our lives and what he, God allows in our lives for, to tear us up in our own lives, you know, and God allows us, you know. Sometimes we say, how would you allow, why would you allow suffering in our lives? Because he's shaping us into the likeness of his son, right? Romans eight twenty nine. because he knows that he, he, wants to, he wants us to have greater rewards. He wants us to be more like Yeshua, and he'll, he knows we can handle it with his strength. He will bind us up. It says, he, he has smitten, but he will bind us up. What is, look at this passage for Israel. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, and we will live in his presence. So let us know, let us strive to know the Lord. Oh, I love it. Like dawn, his going forth is certain. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter rain watering the earth. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. So this is what God, God's heart longs for this, and our hearts, hearts long for it. And this shapes our vision and our mission here at Cold OD, as it does for all Messianic believers. Look, Yeshua said, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they're white and ready for harvest. He spoke this to his disciples in John 4.35 after ministering to who? Remember? John 4, the Samaritan woman, right, at the well, and she had had five failed marriages. I've only had four. No, she had, I didn't have four, but uh, five failed marriages, now sleeping with someone she's not married to, and, but she's, what, he's ministering to this woman. How out of place, out of character, and she's thirsting for something much more than water, although she was, I'm sure, thirsty for water too. Uh, and she says these words, I know that Messiah is coming, and to paraphrase, and all will make sense after then, after this. All will make sense then when the Messiah comes. And she says, when she leaves her water pot, pot remember, she says, Go, uh, come rather, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Oh, I love that. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Wow. In just that one meeting, she says, oh, my gosh, he, summed, he knew, knew everything about me. What, a, what an encounter it must have been. Open your eyes. The Complete Jewish Bible translates it. I like the, this, this translation here. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are already ripe for harvest. I've shared before when I shared on this passage, I, I remember in my second pastorate in central Pennsylvania, uh, sitting with a farmer at a table and uh, in a diner, a little nice diner, and, uh, and I'm sitting, we were somehow talking about this passage, and he said, what? That says white for harvest. He says, I'm a farmer. He says, that means not just ripe, that means overripe. That means you already should have harvested it, but it's, it's past time. It's, we're late. We're late for the harvest. And he was like, oh, my goodness, we've got to do, reach the harvest. Yeshua said their fields are ripe for Harvest, ripe for harvest. Ruth 2.9, both instructs Ruth, Boaz instructs Ruth, keep your eyes on the field. Keep them on the field. Yeshua said, go into the highways and the hedges, or King James, I think one of them says highways and byways, you know, and press them to come in. Go out. So our goal is outreach and evangelism and missions. That's our goal. We meet. One way of saying it is we, we meet to mobilize to missionize. We meet, to mobilize, to missionize. But of course, we nourish, we strengthen, it's we, we also meet to build up inwardly, but we meet, we, we nourish and we strengthen inwardly, but with the constant movement, 
with a constant movement of missions outwardly. That's what our desire is, right? We don't want to be so inward that we're just, we're not we're inward, that we're not, what always our goal is outward, is to be building up so we can reach outward. That's what we, our goal is. And so J- Joseph says in verse 45, verse, chapter 45, verse 5a, he says, now when he continues to, minister, to talk to his brothers, he says, now don't be grieved and don't be angry at, in your own eyes that you sold me here. Don't be grieved, don't be angry in your own eyes that you sold me here. Uh, John 3.17, the Message Bible says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. So Yeshua, Joseph here, even after all he's been through, isn't says, don't be upset with yourselves uh, that what, what happened. He says, you didn't really do it. God did it. God was doing it. Verse 5, the, he says, it was for preserving life that God sent me here before you. God sent me for you. Now, this is, I shared this last year. I want to be clear. What I'm reading are actually notes from last year. I have last year's notes. This is what I'm reading from last year's notes. I'm quoting exactly. I said, God did it. God is bigger than people. He is bigger than what people do or have done to me. You sold me is two times here. God sent me three times. God sent me. And again, I'm quoting from last year's notes, just so someone doesn't say, you just said this for the, you know, anyway, uh, you know a message that people got upset about that I, uh, that, you know, anyway, sort of had to do with some of the, uh, I, had, I had written that same and sh- shared that same stuff, you know, several years ago. But anyway, God's redeeming purposes overshadow and override people's evil plans. Let me repeat. God's redeeming purposes overshadow and override people's evil plans. Man conspires, God inspires. Man instigates, God orchestrates. Man's intent is overridden by God's advent. Isaiah 46 says this, verses 9 through 11. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient time, what is yet to come, saying, my purpose will stand, and I will accomplish all that I please. Truly, I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. God will do it. It's God's purposes that stand. Joseph says, but God sent me ahead of you to ensure a remnant in the land and to keep you alive for a great escape. So again, here's the principle. What God does to me through others is for others. What God does to me through others negatively is for others positively. Because it's really not about me. It's about others. Ephesians 1 says it this way. In him, we also were chosen, predestined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will, so that we who were first to put our hope in Messiah might be for his glorious praise. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. We are for his glorious praise. Or we are peripheral 
God is central. 45 verses, verse 8, it says, And he made uh, me, Joseph says, as a father to Pharaoh, lord over his whole house and ruler over the entire land of Egypt. For exaltation neither is comes neither from the west or the east from the east, neither comes from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. God does it. He's in charge. And he put Joseph in the place he wanted him at the right time. He was in charge. So the tragedies that have befallen you have ultimately positioned you to save others. Right? I repeat, the tragedies that have befallen you or I have positioned you or I to save others. So the question, and these are from before, the question I ask myself, how might I use my position to, in, at present to help or save others? We are for his glorious praise. We are peripheral. God is central. Right? Amen. God is in charge. That's all I have to say. It's, it's shared this morning. God is in charge. He is on the throne. We're not here for ourselves. And his purposes stand forever. His purposes overshadow people's plans because the Lord is in charge. So, Lord, we just thank you for the, these lessons from Joseph's life. Lord, we thank you for your purposes that do stand. And, wow, twice you sold me, but he said, wait a minute, God sent me. God sent me. Thank you, Lord, for how you worked in Joseph's heart for him to see that and for his vision. And thank you, Lord, that you're working in our lives. We ask that you do that work, O oh God, in our lives, in our hearts, in our vision, the same thing. Lord, as we heard earlier, that we can forgive, Lord, as you have forgiven us, Lord, before not waiting for someone to ask it, Lord, but already because you have forgiven. Lord, you'll, you'll do the work in the lives of each one of us, Lord. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your purposes. We thank you that all things do work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, Lord God. And your purpose is redemption. Your purpose ultimately, absolutely, is redemption and is um, reconciliation and, and will be glorious, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the central one. You are the one on the throne. It's all about you. It's all about us being used by you to help others. And we, we bless you for that, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Yeshua's glorious name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his grace and his face shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, and give you peace. Yevarecha do.